Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Spark Sessions Podcast. Today, Chris and I introduce you to another colleague of ours from the 2009 graduating class at UNC Charlotte, Shernavia Montgomery. Shernavia is an MSW licensed clinical social worker and the current executive director of Caring. Shernavia discusses with us really how leadership as a social worker, as a clinician, showing up as our full selves, right? Bringing that micro and macro perspective really has an impact on organizational culture and how we serve the community. Shernavia is gonna talk to us about health equity and how her own journey keeps her hopeful for others. We hope you really enjoyed this episode. You're in for a treat. Here's Shernavia. Welcome back to Spark Sessions Podcast. Michelle and I are thrilled to introduce you to a good friend of ours, another member of our amazing 2009 MSW cohort from UNC Charlotte, uh, Ms. Shanavia Montgomery, MSW, LCSW. Welcome. Hello. We're so happy you're here. I'm so, happy to be here. Yeah, it's good to see your beautiful face. Um, Shanavia is the current executive director at Caring, and she's going to tell us more about what that means. But she also has a very rich history of working within communities on many different levels in social work here um, in Charlotte. And we, uh, like you all know, are focusing on social workers as bridge builders this season. And I think Ms. Montgomery is a bridge builder, and so that's why she's here. So thank you so much for joining us today and for saying yes. Thank you. So let's start by kind of talking a little bit about caring, community health, and health equity. We really kind of want to look at that. And as you're in your role as an executive director, which is such a different role than any other role I can imagine, having never assumed that role before. <laughs> and I love that for a social worker. Uh, no, I do too. I do too. Yes. Running things. I love it. Um, even as, as an executive director, you are a social worker first, right? So you adhere to those NASW code of ethics that we talk about so much. And we want to hear kind of how you like work in that role while promoting and safeguarding the rights of all, like confirming equity, social justice for all people. How does that show up in your role as an executive director? Yeah, so I am uh, I'm really grateful right, to be in my role. I uh, did not really see this for myself. Um, so I'm still reeling. It's been a year, been in my role for a little bit over a year. Um, but you're talking about the uh, mission and vision of caring when you are talking about social justice, right, healthcare justice, healthcare equity for all. That's literally in our, our vision statement, right? We want to see that healthcare is available for all people. And there's uh, a Nigerian proverb that I think really works well with your uh, bridge builders theme. In the moment of crisis, the wise build bridges and the foolish build dams. So if we use that as a context. I believe that social workers in whatever capacity we're serving, we're really critical to the different components within those community foundations that we're trying to build. So we serve in such unique capacities as social workers that I think are often undiscovered on all levels, right? Macro, meso, micro. Uh, we're serving in institutions and organizations for and nonprofit. We're in government now, 
I've seen you know, people that are serving in elected offices that are social workers, um, and even in major corporations. I think we are helping to overcome life's individual challenges that people are experiencing, but we're also in it to change systems that too often fail to protect and promote those who are most vulnerable. So as an executive director, but also as a social worker, I've found like great joy. I can't even express it in words, but just great joy in helping to guide our organization's strategic plan to execute on that mission and vision that we work towards. I wear a lot of different hats. Uh, they change daily, right? I, I love that. Um, and it all just depends on what's needed of me within the organization and how I'm also responding to external environments and situations around me that are going to result in us potentially having a pivot in how we work to address some of those issues. So some of those hats might include uh, overseeing or managing our senior leadership team and their different skill sets uh, and guiding the work that they're doing every day to support the organization. It could include fundraising, right? Helping to build momentum and energy around the work that we do and ensure that we have been supplied with the monetary resources to complete that work. Uh, it could include fiscal management, right? We wanna be responsible with the dollars that we've been entrusted with, uh, strategizing, marketing, problem solving, whatever comes my way. But overall, at the end of the day, I think that my biggest responsibility is to lead the agency in creating a culture internally that extends dignity and respect to everybody that's coming to our doors. It has to start at the top. I have to model that. Um, and I really can't expect us to actively demonstrate or expect others to demonstrate those policies and those norms uh, if we don't do it internally first. So I strive to lead a healthy organization. Um, and that allows me, at the end of the day, to confidently face outward and advocate for vulnerable populations and issues that are impacting the people uh, that live in our community. Like, addressing things like maternal child health and access to care and addressing the ever widening racial wealth gap mm -hmm. so build a foundation to build that bridge you got to have uh, people that are willing to uh, believe in your mission and vision uh, it's your foundation to build that bridge you've got to have strong and dependable materials that's our staff here and you've got to have people that are willing to travel and feel safe enough to do so and those are our patients it brings my macro social worker so much, uh, my, my heart, so much happiness to hear you talk, um, especially when you talk about how it, the, the culture of an agency is super important, right? And it's critical to how that your clients and patients and consumers are served, right? If, if the culture is, is um, corrosive, then the services will be too. If the Absolutely. culture, right, if the culture is um, kind and empathetic and a human centered, then the services will be too. And Absolutely. I just love how you put that. So thank you. To treat people how you feel. Yeah. And you know what, T, I'm going to, I call, I call her T, but you know what I'm going to, I want to talk about with something that you said before we go forward is you talked a lot about the systems, right? And when I think about you know, sort of how I engage even like my students in discussion around how do we dismantle systems that we've talked about this mm -hmm. on this podcast before, how we really at some point might have believed that they were broken, but I believe that we know that they are operating in the way that they have been created to work, 
Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And so it's fragmented and it's it's not always broken. Right. I have seen things work. I'm a product of a system working, but it's fragmented. Sometimes it's disjointed. It's siloed. Um, sometimes it's not uh, intuitive to what the needs actually are of the people that are needing to receive those services um, or benefit from that system. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's not always broken. You're right. You know, and so I believe that if systems are created and we know that systems, you know, can further marginalize and oppress and health equity is like one of the biggest things that you all deal with and looking at health and access to that as a human right. How do you really feel like your identities as even like an individual um, being at the head or leading an organization to have a lot of those cultural components that Chris was just talking about. I just think it's important that we discuss that because we need so many different types of changes within our organizations, how they've always run, the way we've always known them to run. So can you talk to us a little bit about your unique identity, where you sit and how you hold space for things and maybe dismantle some of those things? Yeah, well, as I shared, I you have to dismantle it internally first, right? How you feel is how you're going to treat people. Uh, we also know that within some of those systems and some of the disjointedness that we experience is because people don't see themselves reflected in the systems or programs that are being built. So I think having a thoughtful approach to how we develop and design is really critical, right? Too often we do things to people right? And, or for people, right? We, we feel uh, having this parental or authoritarian, I'm going to do this for you. Mm -hmm. um, instead of doing things with people, right? They are the subject matter experts in their lives. Once upon a time when I was doing home visitation, um, if I'm creating a, a treatment plan, or I'm trying to work with a family on what their goals are, if they tell me they want to own a Lamborghini, and they're living in public housing, then I'm going to write down that this family wants to own a Lamborghini. That's what they want, right? And we should not uh, use our own um, our own predetermined notions of what people should strive for or what their capacity is or capability to drive what they want, right? We are not the experts, they are. So I think if we come to problem solving from a place where we're actively listening, where we are uh, taking a humanistic stand, where we are willing to accept people where they are. I know it sounds cliche, but literally where people are, mm -hmm. then I think we would have more success in, in seeing some of the things that we build actually achieve their measurable goals. Um, so we, we have to be patient, we have to be kind, uh, it's just big, basic fundamental things about just being a person, being a good person. Uh, we, we pull away from that sometimes when we uh, try to build things that in essence aren't built for people there or built for the people that they're intended to work for. Uh, they're built for the people that are designing them. Yeah, I think what you're speaking here about makes me think about saviorism, right? And how, you know, we also critically have to analyze ourselves as social workers and the systems that we build and uh, the profession that we come from yeah. that has is um, built within the idea, a lot of white supremacist ideals, right? Um, and also the saviorism that comes with it. So I think when you talk about like dismantling from within, that really resonates with me and really kind of 
um, helps me to remember my identity and how I show up and why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. What is the, what's the motivation and the end goal? If it's about me, then I'm not, that's, it's not coming from the right place. Yes. Yes. And you always show up beautifully. Both of you do. So I appreciate it. Ditto, but not as beautifully as you. (laughs) Look, if y'all can see her right now, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but um, no, I think it's important to talk about these things because, you know, sometimes I feel like, people may think that we are on the right track and we, you know, we show up in these ways and that it's been easy and it hasn't because we've all been trained and taught, you know, with those values and through those systems that, you know, yeah, like you said, we would say, let's meet the client where they are, but we would make that where they are, not where they are. Right. And so I love that you are thinking about ways and working very humanistically, um, especially around the work with communities that are racialized and minoritized. And I mean, and let's like talk about health equity. I don't know if people really understand the, the plight of that and what that may look like. Um, and so maybe you just even sharing, you know, some of that about, you know, um, how you all address that. Um, and what's what do you bring to the table with that from your clinical, you know, experience? Um, because we don't talk a lot about health equity, um, at least in I, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about health equity. It depends on which um, environments that we're in. Absolutely. So I think understanding uh, for a long time, you know, we heard about equality, right? That was the buzzword when we were probably growing up, um, even in the earlier days when we were in school, you know, equality for all, justice for all. And now we're getting to a space where understanding the difference between equality and equity uh, is becoming ever more important. So when we're striving for equality, then we are designing a blanketed solution to solve sometimes very complex problems, right? We're gonna give the same thing to everybody. Uh, Everyone has the same standard. And that's what we've always done, right? It's very easy to do that. It's easy to spread the peanut butter across the slice of bread, right? We're done, we're good, everybody should be happy. But the real challenge is reimagining that system and seeking to incorporate individualized solutions into the lives of certain populations um, and underserved members of that community and tailoring it to what their needs actually are. That's equitability. And it's very cliche, again, I'm going to say it, but we really have to meet people where they are and have that person in environment sort of stance. That might mean their physical location. That might mean the different circumstances they're within, understanding the trauma that they've experienced and also meeting them where they are with their mental capacity. You know, sometimes it's just too much, or you may be working with someone that doesn't have the educational level that you do. But any of those examples, right, you could incorporate solutions to better equip their services with the ability to effectively meet them where they are. So it might be something as simple as making sure your signage and your educational materials are at a readability level that's appropriate for your patient population. Is your staff, are they partially at least reflective of those that you serve? Are your spaces accessible for someone that you're hoping to provide care to? 
So to answer your question, we really have to be smarter about the resources that we have. And when we're especially extending them to people that are without, and those are things that'll help us address those gaps better. Um, also respecting where people are in their journey, right? Again, the, at the moment that we're doing something for us or we're doing something to someone else, we, we immediately lose them. That's how we get back to uh, feeding into this, this big system of mistrust that we have historically. Uh, and instead looking for collaborative approaches, right? Making sure that the patient or the client's voice is incorporated into the programs that you're designing. Do you have someone with lived experience on your board, which Caring does as of last year? Are you inviting them to forums or to program designs or to get feedback on some of the solutions that you're proposing, but incorporating them into the fabric of your organization and the work that you're trying to do so that you come up with a product that has the buy-in immediately of the people that you're looking to serve. Um, and that includes advocating for policies, right? And system designs that are going to first acknowledge those disparities in the first place, right? We have to acknowledge what's happened and how people have arrived to the place that they're in and the disadvantage of the position uh, that, that of the world that they're in. So we, we spend a lot of money as it relates to health healthcare on treatment, right? One in four healthcare dollars goes towards treatment for conditions like diabetes. What could we do with that money if we were to put it into prevention instead and we weren't fighting uh, from behind? Uh, so true health disparity work is going to force you to be uncomfortable, right? Working outside of your brick and mortar, uh, being in the spaces where people are that are getting served, working with people intergenerationally, right? Uh, we know that a lot of our health equity issues, like 80 to 90% of them, they don't have anything to do with medical issues. It's those social determinants of health. It's where they mm -hmm. live. It's, you know, the schools that they have access to. It's food insecurity. It's transportation. It's, um, it's all built around zip code sometimes. I mean, don't get me started on Charlotte uh, <laughs> yeah. and Mecklenburg County. It, it's based on zip code, really, yeah. how someone can measurably achieve a quality of life uh, that they are deserving of. It is based on where you live. Uh, so when we talk about issues like that, it's it's disheartening uh, and there's quite a bit of work to do to help us uh, get there. Uh, caring is uh, at the forefront of the health equity battle and we are in the micro, meso and macro space, uh, but we are serving about 8,000 people a year. Wow. There are 160,000 uninsured in Mecklenburg County alone. Wow. So we are yeah. doing the work, but we're scratching the surface. Yeah. Um, and that's just with the uninsured population, but we have chronic disease. There's again, the widening uh, racial wealth gap. You have black maternal child health um, and some of the, the really disparaging outcomes that are achieved there. So a lot of work to do, um, but I am always glass half full. So I'm hopeful that we'll get to where we need to be. Uh, maybe not in my lifetime, but I can do the work that I can do today uh, to help us drive towards that change. Well, you just set up a perfect segue, T. I appreciate you for that. Um, you're great at doing that. Uh, it's like a natural <laughs> thing that happens. I know I know you are a strategic uh, thinker, and maybe that's where it comes from, but I was getting ready to ask you, what keeps you hopeful in this work? Because, <laughs> you know, we know that, I mean, it's, it's, social work is difficult. It's, it's really hard work. It's incredibly rewarding. It's um, fascinating. It's beautiful. It's complicated. 
but it's really hard. And when you talk about disparities and health equity and the gaps, like you don't stay there though. That's the thing about you is you receive that information, but you don't stay there. You immediately start to think about solutions and um, how it could be better and, and how do you get there? So I, what keeps you hopeful? What, what is it about T that makes her hopeful? Well, I, um, I don't feel like I come to work every day. And I can very easily say that about most of the jobs that I've had. Um, but I think the difference with me is that I have to be grateful for the experience that I had. So I, I reflect on my own journey through poverty. Um, I was a teen mom. I've grown more comfortable in, in sharing that publicly uh, in, in the last few years. But uh, I am a living testament of how and why safety net programs, thoughtfully designed solutions and caring professionals can positively impact the lives of vulnerable individuals and families. I owe my inspiration to become the social worker that I am today as a result of the services that I received. I had no idea what the lady that was doing my home visits was. Like, she shows up and we talk, we do work. Uh, she, she charges me with, you know, some homework. Um, she was also incredibly encouraging. Uh, I had mentors uh, whom I still keep in touch with today, a small handful of teachers that didn't give up on me, right, and kept pushing and, and made sure that I graduated high school uh, and that I went to college, right, that it's, it's going to take you 10 years. Yes, it literally took me 10 years uh, to finish school, but someone had to have some hope in me for me to even get started on that journey. So I think for people that are in marginalized situations, um, like a lot of the people that are, are social workers, right? We know the consequence of the historical, racial, social, and economic disparities that have plagued our communities for so long and created those disadvantages. Um, you know, the, the pandemic was another example of how, you know, we've just been pushed further back and problems have just been further exacerbated. Um, but there is nothing about my day, no matter how difficult my job might be or how long hours I have to work or the weekend days that I have to give up. There's nothing about my day that doesn't ever want me to stop driving towards improving the lives of others. I really feel like I've been charged with this, uh, given an opportunity to escape poverty myself and that I owe it to the people that really lifted me up to try to dedicate my life towards lifting up others. So I'm just driven by my own experience. Um, and then looking at others, you know, I, I see hope always, no matter how detrimental the situation might be. Um, you know, I've worked with some very uh, challenging families, uh, challenging individuals, just very complex and, and layered trauma. Um, but at no point did I give up hope. And I think for them, uh, sometimes that spark within someone else um, helps to ignite your own. And I love that on so many levels because, you know, I love that we're asking this question because, I mean, we know we are in a profession that burnout is high. We've all probably been asked, like, why do you do what you do? I mean, I, there were times where I was like, I'm not sure where right. I need to show up, right? But I don't know, actually. <laughs> but what you just said gave me hope not only for 
um, the services that we provide and what we do as a profession, but for social work students and for social workers that are currently in the field that you had just said, like, there's not any job that I've had that I didn't want to be or that I didn't, you know, feel um, not uh, uh attached to or not doing meaningful work. And I think that we have to change our mindset as well, right, as a profession and how we move forward. And it keeps me hopeful to know people like you. It keeps me hopeful to be able to show up in that space with like very green, spongy students that are like, I'm yes, like, it's, 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 it's a lot of work, y'all. It is a lot of work. It is. Oh, and they, you know, everybody wants to be, um, you know, own their own private practice. So, mm. you know, ain't that shameful? They, they do, they do, and you know, it's you know, bless their hearts, right? Um, and I think that uh, for me, self awareness, I, I also wanted to own my own private practice, and I started out on that journey, mm-hmm. um, and then I quickly realized, you know what? You know, I've gotten my license. I've started doing this work. This is not for me, right? It wasn't that I wasn't good at it, right? I'm an A-plus student. Um, <laughs> I was just leaning in in all the wrong ways. Mm. And I was exhausting myself because, you know, I, I want to save the world. And then I started thinking, you know, there might be another way to do this. How did people end up so broken in the first place? Mm. It's the system. We're going to do this differently. And slowly but surely started creeping towards jobs that were more administrative in nature, more guiding the practice, more uh, ushering in that new generation of social workers that were going to think and do things differently. And so that's what I realized, you know, you're, you're, you're not too bad at this. And it's been great. And it's really given me a chance to exercise more of my mind. Um, and to explore things that, you know, I, I don't like math. I'm just being honest with myself. Yeah. And my husband will tell you the same thing. Like, I don't, I, I, he's the calculator, not me. <laughs> but I've got to manage a budget, right? Mm-hmm. So I've got to sit down and do this intentionally and, and be mildly dangerous at it so that I can effectively run this organization because that's going to help me get to the end goal of serving people better, you know, and, and doing things differently and being able to really help them drive towards the change that I know they want to see for their own lives. And I can't do that if I, I don't learn some new skills and, you know, network. You guys know I love meeting people. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, like you said, building those bridges and lighting those sparks. Um, there's different ways to exercise the social work profession. Um, and I, I love it when people don't limit themselves. Mm-hmm. The nuggets that you have shared today. Um, So what message maybe then or call to action do you have for our listeners that would more closely connect them to how health and equities really impact all of us? I would say, you know, don't be afraid to get uncomfortable. Um, Doing this work requires us to look at things from angles that are not innate, right? We, We have to be willing to acknowledge disparities. We have to be willing to say, I don't know the answer um, or that I'm not the best person to go on this journey. Um, I think self-awareness is key. Um, And like you said earlier, Chris, you know, just understanding yourself um, and what you're bringing to the table. And, you know, it's okay to lean on your strengths only, right? You don't always have to learn a new skill or 
uh, always have to um, uh, do something that um, you you feel is necessary. Like you you have some gifts, you have strengths, you have things that you do well, and I think that's when you are able to operate as your best person and give mm-hmm. someone uh, your your full self. Right. Um, I would love to see the day where you know black women aren't like 46% more likely to have preterm deliveries or that black babies aren't five times more likely to die in their mm-hmm. first year of life. Um, I would love to see that people of color don't naturally die at an earlier age from diseases or where because of someone's zip code, they're not damned to poverty. Yeah. indefinitely, right? That's the world that I want to live in. And I would love for your listeners, uh, regardless of what profession they're in, or their age, or their demographic, or their ethnicity, um, that's the fabric of who we are, right? Yeah. We're not monolithic. Um, but I would like to see people just just approach things in the most humanistic way possible, right? What would you want? How would you want to live? What are you willing to sacrifice in order to see others have opportunities um, yes. and where they're in a world that uh, they can thrive if they so choose to? Uh, that's my dream. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to strive for with the life and the breath that God's given me. T, thank, thank you. you. I just, um, and I know I feel like I can speak for Michelle when I say, It's such an honor to do this work alongside you. It's such an honor to to have graduated with you and to still be able to call on you as a friend. Um, You you are one of those people that if I need a bit of encouragement, I know. I know who can give it to me. So thank you for showing up the way that you do. And thank you for allowing me to show up the same way um, with all my quirks. And every time I need a donation. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm like, yes, let me see if I can connect you with someone that's wealthy that might have a donation for you. <laughs> you know, you know, resources are important, but just thank that's you guys right. for giving uh giving folks like me a platform um and allowing me to to share. That's important. That's very important. You're you're doing something different, you know. We're speaking of social workers and how you you're doing something different, right? We're not uh, one trick ponies. We have so many gifts and so many things that we can do to improve the world and the state of where people are. And you are giving inspiration and hope to a lot of your listeners. So congrats. Kudos, you guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. All right. So if you want to connect with the work caring, make sure you check them out. Um, T, what's your, your own socials? I'm sure website. Yeah, you want to give that information? Um, yeah, we can do that. Our website is caringnc.org. So C-A-R-E-R-I-N-G-N-C.org. Uh, visit our site. It's new and fancy. Uh, we've got a, a whole continuum of care, uh, a low-cost clinic. We've got two maternal child health programs. Uh, we've got care coordination, outreach, uh, just a little bit of everything. But for people that are just most vulnerable, we are at the heart of community health. And we have just so many wonderful supporters, our systems here, uh, both hospital systems, our county health department, 
countless independent organizations uh, that provide us with what we need to do the work we do each and every day. So just grateful for the community that we're in. It's rich in a number of ways, but I like to say that it's rich with intent more so than anything. Mm. We're going to get there together. Awesome. All right. Thanks, T. We'll see you Thanks. soon. Are you a social worker that would like to be featured on season two of Spark Sessions podcast or know any social workers who are out there turning advocacy into action? Please let us know or just keep in touch. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Spark Sessions podcast or Twitter at Spark Sessions pod.